family, um, just how delighted again uh, that we are, um, that you have called us here. Um, we know that uh, at the end of the day, God brought us here, um, but you have just made the transition um, so uh, wonderful. Uh, we have felt so encouraged and blessed to be a part of you, and so we just want to, on behalf of my family, to say that to you. I got a, a card even this week, um, Preston, sitting down here on the first row, sent me a card, just was so thoughtful, uh, uh, just helping to, me to mourn the loss that Ohio State had last week against Illinois. <laughs> I got this sympathy card in the mail, and I thought, well, who's sending me a sympathy card? He literally sent me a sympathy card. So it's just that kind of just welcome that I felt uh, here at first. But no, know that that's in good fun, and, and I had a good laugh as I sat there in my office uh, reading that uh, this week. So, uh, Lord bless you. Again, want to say, we started out this series just uh, talking about there are times when we deal with these different phases, different times of our lives, that there are things, whether it's depression or anger or uh, fear that we deal with, that might, we might need some professional help to get beyond that. Uh, that's professional help as a, as a counselor, and again, we have information in, um, at, our, at our welcome centers and things about the counseling center that we have a relationship with, Southwest Medical Center, that we'd love to help you that way. Also, some of us at times might even need to have a good uh, appoint, uh, appointment with our doctor. And there are some things, there might even be some, some balances that are out of whack that, that your doctor can help you with. So, so God can use many things to help bring you to wholeness that, uh, and that, that Christ wants to bring, and he can use many, many avenues to do that. This morning, as we look at to, into his word, we uh, again are recognizing that there are these phases of life that, that we walk through. We, and, and we've used color to illustrate that. Those times of blue that are times when we, are, we find times of depression. There are times of uh, yellow, like we talked about last week, when we have times of fear in our lives. And this morning I came in, I thought, wow, everybody's celebrating the Ohio State actually won yesterday. And then I realized, oh no, they're not wearing red because of that. You're wearing red because today we're talking about anger. And this emotion, this phase that... Uh, all of us at times deal with. In fact, let me just give you a show, show of hands. How many of you today would admit in front of uh, the congregation that this week there have been times, by show of hands, where you have dealt personally with anger in your life? How many would raise your hand and say that? Okay. All right. You can put your hands back down. Now, for the rest of you, um, next week we're going to be talking about honesty. Okay? <laughs> and I want to make sure that all of you are there. Okay, Now, you might not have dealt with anger this week, but it is something that at one point or another, maybe you are good this week, but it is something at one point or another that we will all deal with. And that anger kind of falls along, because it's the way God made us. It's part of an emotional makeup. And there are, there's probably a spectrum that we fall, fall on. There are some of us that our anger, we normally react when we are angry in a really explosive way. And we're on that. We're very vocal. We may, our voice may get loud. We get red-faced. There are those times when we uh, are that, and we're on that end of the spectrum. Then there's some of us that we might say are kind of in the middle of that spectrum. We are in that area where our anger is more mask. It's more secretive, but it's right there under the surface. Everybody recognizes that we're angry. It's what happens when we're at, at, the, at Thanksgiving dinner, 
And there's that person that you know is mad. They're off in the corner and they're kind of sulking. They're kind of, you can tell they're irritated. But when you ask them, is everything all right? Oh, yeah, everything's fine. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> it's that passive-aggressive kind form of anger. That's maybe the middle of the spectrum. And then the other end of the spectrum is that, that, that anger that manifests itself in our lives when we just totally stuff it down and we don't allow it to, to, to come out at all. But it's in there to just rotting out our insides and, and we are angry, but no one really knows what's going on. And so there's this spectrum. And for those of us who are on maybe that end of the spectrum where we just kind of stuff it and we never express it, or you're in that group that's kind of the passive-aggressive where you don't rant and rave, but there are those times that you might explode, but there are those times that it's just kind of below the surface and that's why you deal with it, or even those that are real expressive. That entire spectrum is what we're talking about today. And that God wants to help us no matter where we are on that spectrum because we can be angry, Scripture says, but don't sin. And that anger, regardless of where we are on the spectrum, is something that can hurt us and something that God wants to help us with. So don't think just because you don't blow up like some red-faced relative of yours that you're okay. No, when you stuff it down and don't deal with it, that's not all right either. So let's, let's think about it this morning. Let me just kind of illustrate it this way. Imagine that our anger is a spark and it's, a, it's like a firecracker. And there are different we react in different ways, but we also there are intensity levels to our anger. There are times when anger is like a small firecracker in our lives. It might be, for instance, where a time that maybe you've just detailed your car and you've cleaned it up, it's been trashed, and, and you had, you've cleaned, finally cleaned the french fries out from between the seats uh, if you've got kids, and, and you've arm-rolled it, and you've windexed it, and you pick the kids, let's say you pick the kids up from school. Just kind of imagine it with me. Pick the kids up from school. And they're in the back seat of the car, and you decide, against better judgment, they're hungry, so you decide, you do the quick thing, and you go through a drive through restaurant. You get something, and you give it to the kids, and they're in the back, and they're eating, and then all of a sudden, just the, one of those fights breaks out in the, in the back seat of the car. And you turn around to find, to see your two boys, French flies frying, flying up in the air, and, and wrappers everywhere, and food on the floor, and they're all mad at each other. And in an instant, in that car that you just cleaned up, you can go from everything great till, till you have that firecracker of anger that just explodes very quickly. Now, does anybody know what an M80 is? An M80 is a firecracker that, you know, you've got those little ones you even let your kids, you know, the little kids even throw because they don't, can't really hurt you. But then there's those M80s. They can blow up a watermelon. They can uh, destroy a G.I. Joe guy. Not that I would know that personally. Um, <laughs> but they can, they're kind of destructive. And, and our anger can... Sometimes it's that firecracker, it can start out that way, and then it can move into the M80 kind of category. It's when you're driving down the, car, driving down the street, maybe you've just dealt with that, that issue with the kids, and so you pop in, you're driving down the street, and you pop in the worship CD, you know, to kind of calm you down a little bit. Pop the worship CD in, and then someone pulls out right in front of you. And instead of going the speed limit, they're going just under the speed limit. And you're in town, so you can't pass them. You look in your rearview mirror, and you notice that there are no cars behind you. And now here they are, you're late for whatever, and they're, and they're driving the speed limit in town. Who ever heard of driving the speed limit? <laughs> and there you are, and your little firecracked frustration has, has turned into this M80 aggravation there in the car. Let me 
take you back into a day in my life back in Illinois this past summer and kind of illustrate that M80 and how it can turn into dynamite pretty quickly. Uh, I was uh, at the office. My son had a 515 baseball game this summer. Now, whoever heard of having baseball, having a game at 515? Some people have to work for a living, uh, you know. And so we got to get our son, and it's like a 20-minute drive out to the ball field. And so I had the, the firecracker kind of frustration started at the office when I couldn't get out of the office on time. Crystal was gone, and so Jacob, our youngest son, was supposed to have been getting ready on his own. I get home, and we're already almost going to be late now. And I get home, and he's not dressed. And so, you know, telling him to hurry and get dressed. And then we're waiting at the door, and I'm like, Jacob, where's your hat? And in this league, you had to, you're supposed to have your hat. And where's your hat, Jacob? Well, I don't know. Well, did you put it? Because we've had this talk. Because this is the 10th time in one season that we've lost this goofy hat. Now, Jacob, if you just put the hat in the same place. How many have ever said this to your kids? If you just put the hat in the same place, and you finish the sentence, you'll what? You'll know where it is. So... Even though he ignored that great advice, you know, there's, this hat's nowhere to be found. So we finally find a hat. And so this, the firecracker is turned into the M80. And we finally find a hat that's red, at least. Get in the car, drive, and so I'm going to take the shortcut. So we go through the, kind of this residential area. And there's literally in Middletown this area, this road. And it's, you literally could drive, no exaggeration, three semis side by side down this road. And it's 25 miles per hour. Now, what genius made that road 25 miles an hour? And that's, you know, I'm thinking this, you know, and it's just kind of building up. And then we're going to be late, but I got to drive 25, or at least I'm supposed to drive 25 miles an hour down this road. And so we go and I turn again. I'm taking this shortcut and I get, and I'm almost to get to the railroad tracks. And you're way ahead of me. (laughs) The arms go down. And this guy stops in front of me. He could have made it. You know, he's, he stops at the, at the track. And I'm sitting there and this train's going and it's going and it's going. I'm looking at my watch and I'm thinking, oh, wow, maybe we can still, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe. You know. And the train's going and the train's going. And then I notice the train's slowing down. <laughs> and it's going slower and slower. And then it stops. And then, to my utter amazement, begins to go backwards. (laughs) And so, in an instant, this little little firecracker that turned into the M80, that now I've got a full-fledged stick of dynamite that's about to go off. And so I'm thinking, okay, I'll turn around and we'll go a different way. And so I look in my rear mirror. I can't go backwards because there's a guy right behind me. So I'll just turn around and I start to think about turning around. And then I look and somebody, probably the same genius that made it 25 miles per hour on this road, laid a big old slab of concrete right in the middle of the road and put these little doohickey things in there for people just like me that when they're late for somewhere can't turn around. I mean, why else would you put this little thing right there, right in front of the, of the, uh, the arms? There's nobody coming the other direction. What is it hard if I turn around? You know, I'm thinking, you know, we, we were late, by the way, so I wasn't just totally. So very quickly, now that's just a, a, just a little snippet of my life. I don't know if anybody else ever gets in those kind of situations. Anger has a variety of intensity levels as well, doesn't it? Not only do we have this spectrum of of the way that we react, but we also have these intensity levels. And so this morning, what 
help can we get from God's Word to help us to deal with our anger? Look at James 1, verse 19, and let me read it for us as you turn. And there's Bibles in your pew, and we'll have it on the screens as well. Listen to this passage. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Now, notice who he's talking to in verse 19. He says, my dear brothers, my brothers in Christ. He's talking, he's talking to the church. Now, I would just make the observation that if people in the church who are God's people, they're supposed to be all about loving and, and patience and all those fruits of the Spirit. If we can't get this down, then certainly our world is going to struggle with it as well. So, regardless of who you are today, maybe... You are here, and you're just kind of seeking, and you're still trying to figure out this whole God thing. And I would say to you, you also, all of us, need to hear this message. This is not just this truth, not just for someone that's a follower of Christ, as he says, my dear brothers. It's for all of us. All of us need to hear this great truth. And what is it? He says to be slow to speak, slow to become angry. And so, as we think about how do we do that? Let's think about the causes first for our anger. The first cause that I would throw out to us is the cause of, uh, of fear. Now, let me just uh, kind of illustrate it this way, that sometimes our fear causes us to get angry. Crystal, uh, my wife, uh, and, and you ladies understand this, feels that God has, and it's kind of, I think, impressed uh, internally and kind of hardwired in, that mothers have the instinct to protect their children. That's kind of the way that mothers are. Fathers, on the other hand, I personally feel that it's my personal responsibility to make boys into men. Okay? At times, upon occasion, those two things have clashed. Let me give you, for instance, we were, uh, Caleb and I were out front in our house in Ohio, and there's this big, huge tree out in the front yard. And Caleb wanted to climb the tree. So I'm like, you know, I'm making, bo- I'm making men, not boys. I said, well, sure, you know, because boys need to climb trees. They need, to, they need to, to face some danger and, you know, those kind of things. So sure, climb the tree. And so Caleb climbs the tree. And I'm, you know, as dads sometimes do, kind of doing other things and, and uh, didn't notice that Caleb is up at the top of the tree. And this was a big tree. Caleb had climbed way up in the tree. And then Crystal, his mom, walks outside. (laughs) Now, I don't know if you know this about Crystal, but, and this is kind of interesting, but her head will spin all the way around. (laughs) And so she walks out, and she sees Caleb up in the tree, and her head spins around. Her eyes roll back in her head, and she gets this voice, David. You know, I didn't know she had such a deep voice. You know, and, and so there's that clash because she fears for her child. And so fear for, can very quickly can cause this anger to spark, can be the fuel. For those of you who uh, have children that maybe are working their way into college years and you see them make some bad choices and you see how those bad choices could Affect and you fear for their future, that can cause you to get angry because you see what could happen. And so there, that fear as a parent can cause you to get angry. Another spark for our, of our fear, and that sometimes comes is when we're fatigued, when we're tired. 
when we've worked hard all day and, and we come home and, and, uh, and we're, we're just beat and we're trying to get the kids to bed and getting the kids to bed is like herding cats, you know. You're just trying to get them going a direction and, and you've got to brush their teeth and got to get a drink and got to do this and got to do that. And, and, you know, there's always some other thing and you finally get them to turn their lights out and they're finally in bed and you go, you lay down and you're just, you, you just pull the sheet up and you're just in that state right in between dozing off and, and being awake. When you sense this presence <laughs> off to the side of the bed. And you look over and sure enough, there's one of your children. <laughs> and they, they're talking about that they've seen something or heard something. That there's something wrong in their room and they need you to come check it out. <laughs> and very quickly again, our fatigue can be a spark that causes us to get angry. And other spark that can cause us to get angry is the spark of rejection. It can come when maybe we're a single person and that person that we thought might be the one talks to us and tells us that, well, I think it'd be better if we were just friends. When we get that speech and that can very quickly maybe turn into anger in that relationship, that rejection that we feel or the rejection that we feel maybe from, a, from an individual or a group of people and when we feel rejected we get angry about that. Maybe it comes at work when we get the pink slip or we get the negative review and that rejection of us again prompts us, sparks in us some anger. There's actually a term that has been coined now in our vocabulary, in our culture and it's called going postal. And going postal was birthed out of postal workers who uh, postal workers that got rejected at work, maybe it's a bad review or whatever, and then went back into their workplace and shot or or hurt their co-workers or their or their supervisors. So those uh, that now that phrase has been coined, going postal. And what is that? That's a description of an individual that gets has been sparked with anger as a result of their rejection. The last spark that I would throw out to you that sometimes causes us to get angry is the spark of frustration. And for me, this is probably the one that I would struggle personally with the most. And that's the frustration when plans don't work out as we had hoped that they would. It's when this preconceived notion of how the day should go or how this situation should go or whatever, when it doesn't happen like you think that it should and that gets derailed. That's a great illustration of that is in Tennessee when, if you remember that uh, woman shot her husband, that he was a pastor, and she shot him and killed him, shot him in the back and killed him. And nobody knew for sure why she did that. Well, one of the things that sparked that was her frustration over some of the financial decisions that they had made as a family. And so, and so there was this financial frustration that, again, caused one of the causes of that spark that ended in her husband's death. So frustrations... Again, and it's not just a frustration over some major thing. It can be the frustration that wells up when somebody takes our parking spot we had picked out. Or the frustration that wells up when someone pulls out in front of us and drives slow. Those frustrations, again, can be a spark that causes us to get angry. Let's go back to that passage. Look at verse 20. In verse 20, he says, For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. In other words, anger destroys the righteous life that God has in store for us. And so there are consequences to our anger. 
There are things that happen as a result of our anger. We've seen that in our world. For instance, a couple of examples. When Mel Gibson, you remember when Mel Gibson was driving along, got pulled over? I think, I don't know, I can't remember if he'd been drinking or not. But anyway, he got pulled over and he gets mad and upset and, and said all those anti-Semitic things in that rant uh, when he got pulled over by the police. Remember how that affected his career, affected his net worth in Hollywood, those kind of things? Or what about the example of Mike Tyson? Mike Tyson in the boxing ring who gets mad, gets upset, and, and almost bites the ear off of his opponent because he, he dealt with his anger in an unproductive way. Or what about Zidane, the soccer star, who, if you remember at the World Cup, uh, my son, did I pronounce that wrong? Okay, that guy. Uh, the guy in the bottom of the picture, the guy that, at the World Cup, when he got upset because the other guy was, was making some comments, and he turns around and he headbutts him in the middle, at the end of the game. And, and now he has, his, his career, his reputation has been tarnished as a result. That's the consequences of anger. And there are consequences in our lives. And again, whether it's the blowing up and the consequences of that, or the passive-aggressive, or over here where we just stuff it and we don't deal with it, there are consequences to our anger. It destroys, again, God's desire for us. God's best for us, as this passage in verse 20 says. So what does it do? It destroys our relationships. There's a great passage, a couple of them in Proverbs. Proverbs 29, verse 22. It says, An angry man stirs up dissension, and a hot-tempered one commits many sins. In Proverbs 22, verse 24, it says, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered. And so words of wisdom from the Bible is that anger causes dissension. Anger causes issues in relationship. Anger, Scripture says, if someone is prone to get angry all the time, don't be friends with that person. So if someone's a Bible scholar that's a friend of yours, and you notice that they are, are backing away from your relationship, are you getting angry all the time? Is there some issue there? Because if they're being obedient to the Word, they're going to kind of avoid you. The other thing that we know just from life, just kind of within us, none of us want to really be around and hang out with people that get angry and upset and don't have that under control. And so we know innately to kind of avoid those people. So it destroys our relationships. It can destroy our relationship with our spouse. It can destroy our relationship with our children. And it can destroy our relationship that God wants us to have with our world. When we are the angry neighbor that always has some issue that destroys our ability to be a witness for Christ. When we are always angry. When we're the relative that's always angry. It destroys our ability to reach those people in our family that don't know Christ in the personal way that we do. When we are the angry boss who is a follower of Christ but is always on the employees and always, you know, in their face and always angry and the, and the anger is just right there. Again, it affects our ability, God's desire for us to be that influence in their lives. Or when we're the employee who is always angry, again, it can destroy our relationship with our boss and our coworkers. God has created us for relationships, and God wants to, us to, to use those relationships to help to introduce people to the difference that Christ has made in our lives. But anger can destroy those opportunities. They can destroy 
It can destroy our relationships. The other thing that it can destroy, when we think about the consequences of our anger, is that it can destroy our peace. One of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit is peace. That we have this blessing from God. We're told in Philippians 4, verse 7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Godly peace and anger cannot coexist. Unrighteous anger cannot coexist at the same time. Peace is God's desire, what he wants to give us in the midst of turmoil. It's what he wants to give us in the midst of persecution, in the midst of abuse. God can give us peace, but when our peace is trying to coexist with anger, it gets destroyed. It robs us, again, our anger robs us of our ability to enjoy that blessed life that God desires for us. Ungodly anger destroys God's gift of peace. It also destroys, another consequence, it destroys our future. There's a great passage in Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. One of the most awesome truths that we can bask in as followers of Christ is the truth that God has a plan for our lives. And that plan that he has for our lives, God's desire, that, that righteous life that God has for us, again, is short-circuited, is destroyed at times by our anger. Let me give you a for instance. Here at First Church, we have a nursery in the back. And in that nursery, the, the, the babies in that nursery have a lot of opportunities. They have opportunities to get held. They have opportunities to get fed. They have opportunities to get, get uh, people talked to in some weird language that none of us really know what's, what they're saying. Uh, they have opportunities to sleep. Um, they have all kinds of opportunities. But those opportunities really are limited. But as they get a little older, as they learn to walk, as they learn to kind of manipulate their environment, then they get to sit down, and they get to be put on the floor, and then they can play with toys, and they get to play with their friends, and, and all of that gets to happen. And then as they mature beyond that, they get to go into this, this, this next room. And this next room is for preschool kids, and, and they get to run around and, and have lessons and, and talk and play with each other, and, and, and all kinds of fun stuff happens in that setting. And then from there, they get to graduate up to Kid Zone, where there's video, and there's basketball, and there's, there's air hockey, and there's big chess sets, and there's, there's all kinds of cool stuff on the walls, and you interact and get to be with a group with your friends. All those neat, awesome things happen. But to go back to that child in the inf that infant in the nursery, if that infant, that child, never learns how to use the bathroom on their own, there's no way that they will ever have the opportunity to be in those other classes where you get to do even more awesome stuff. The youth this week, our, our young people, are at a retreat, a winter retreat. I, they were talking about the... Uh, the um, uh, another uh, retreat that they're going to do after the first of the year and, and sledding and skiing and all this, all this awesome stuff they're going to do. So you have these further opportunities. The older you get until you get to be an adult and then all the fun stops. And, but, but up to that point, there's a lot of fun that you get to have. But if, again, if you never learn how to go to the bathroom on your own, you never get out of those first stages. And I would say to us that God has a plan for our lives. He has a plan to take us to this awesome 
place, for I know the plans I have for you, have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a future and a hope, but you will never get there unless you learn the lessons that God has for you back here. If you never learn to deal with your anger, if you're always exploding, you're always using anger in, in negative, hurtful ways, you will never get over here into this class where there's awesome, exciting plans that can be realized through your relationship with Christ. And so the consequence, one of those consequences is that our future is destroyed. Our future can be destroyed in our relationships. Our marriages can be destroyed. Our future there. Our future in our workplace can be destroyed. Again, when we don't handle anger in productive ways. So then, God has his best for us. God has the righteous life that he desires for us. So how can we learn to control our anger to realize that future, to realize God's best for us? Well, what are the corrections then for our anger? The first one is that we need to understand anger. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, the 26th verse, we read the first part of that, and that's one of those ones that would be great to, to write down and look up later and to study later. But it says this, In your anger, do not sin. So the implication of that is that, okay, in your anger, do not sin, then it is possible to be angry, but not sin. Remember when Jesus got upset that that in the temple that they had all these, these tables and they were exploiting the people and they were keeping them from enjoying the benefits of, 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 of offering sacrifices in the temple. And he got upset at what they were doing in the temple and so he, he turns the, the tables over and he drives them out of, the, out, of the, uh, out of the temple. If you remember that story. And so Jesus got angry, but he didn't sin. So how can we be angry but not sin? Well, there are times when it's legitimate for us to get angry. When there's something, some righteous thing that is being blocked. When people's relationship with God is being compromised. When people are not able to connect with God. When that's being affected. For us to get angry and then for that anger, that righteous anger to motivate us to make a difference. To do something about it. Then anger can be a positive thing. It can be a helpful thing. If we can channel that anger against the injustice or against the wrong or whatever that is in that setting, then anger can serve a godly purpose. But we have to understand it. The other thing I would say about anger is we understand it, is that we need to understand that, yeah, sometimes it's okay to be angry. The other thing I would say, if we're using it in the right way, the other thing I would say is that we need to understand that anger is a choice. And so you say, now, there's no what. It's not a choice. I, you know, these things happen, this outside stimuli, you know, in my life, and, and I just can't help it. I react, and it's, it's beyond me. I can't, let me, if you don't believe me, then let's think, think in your life. We've all had this situation where we're, we're upset, we're mad, maybe we're in a discussion, maybe we're in an argument with someone, someone and we're kind of ranting and raving about this, whatever's going on, and then the phone rings, and, we, and we're, I can't believe you're doing this, and then, hello? <laughs> oh, great, how are you doing? Yeah. Or we're, we're, the same things happen behind closed doors. Maybe we're at home and we're, again, we're having one of those intense discussions kind of times. And then we hear the doorbell ring. And we go to the door and we're all upset and then we open the door and then everything's fine. Or how about some of, some of us that this morning on the way to church, 
in the car. Their fireworks were going off, and you, we're going to be late, and how come you did this, and you're my breakfast, and da-da-da-da, and, and, and all those things, and everybody's upset at everybody, and then you walk in the door, and everybody's all smiles. Because you're a church, and you don't want anybody to know what's going on behind closed doors. We can control our anger. We do it all the time. So we need to understand our anger. This, the next thing that I would say to us is look at verse 26 of Ephesians again. In the second part of that, he says, Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And so one of the corrections, the second correction that I would throw out to us is that we need to set limits. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let, in other words, he's, in other words, he's saying to set a limit for your anger. Don't let your anger go on forever. Don't let the emotion of anger grow and take control. Set a limit for your anger. Maybe it's, okay, by the end of the day, I'm going to deal with this situation. Or maybe it's, okay, when I cool down, first thing in the morning, I'm going to make a phone call. Or maybe I'm going to, the way I'm going to deal with it, I'm going to set a limit. I'm going to go, I'm going to go, um, you know, tomorrow talk to this individual. Or tonight I'm going to, I'm going to talk to the Lord about it in my, my prayer time. So it's setting a limit, not allowing our anger to escalate. I'm going to set a limit. In Jeremiah 29, verse 11, I'm sorry, Proverbs 29, verse 11 says, A fool gives full, and that's the word I would underline in that passage, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. So in other words, a wise man sets parameters, sets limits for his anger. He keeps his anger in control. And so when we set a limit, it's when we feel like we're losing control and we make some decisions. We make a decision to maybe walk away. We set a limit. We set a limit. We, 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 we decide we're going to pray about it. We're going to tell Jesus on them. And that's the way that we're going to deal with it. Maybe we're going to do something else that's going to refocus our energy. Maybe we're going to listen to some music. Maybe I'm going to talk to somebody I trust about the situation. But whatever we do, I'm going to set a limit. I'm going to draw a boundary, and I'm going to let it get past this point. The last thing I would say, the way that we can correct our anger is we need to deal with it. And Ephesians 4 verse 31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Don't let your bitterness turn in, or your anger to turn into bitterness. Don't allow your anger to go unchecked. Do something about it. When we suppress our anger, when we don't deal with it, or when we, we say that we're not affected by it, that anger can turn into bitterness, and it can destroy us. A good first step in, our, in dealing with our anger is to delay our response. I mean, have, how many times have we heard, well, when we get angry, what do we need to do first? We need to count to ten. Some of us need to count to a hundred and ten. How, I mean, how often have, when you've gotten angry, and when that anger sparks, and when you've done something or said something on the spur of the moment, right when they, and that anger sparks, how many times has that ended badly? Most of the time, when you react quickly, it works out for the, in the, for the worst. So delay your response. The other thing I would say is there, we talked about three ways, three bad ways to deal with our, with our anger. The first is to stuff it. The next is to explode. The other is to be passive-aggressive. Here's a positive way to deal with it. 
Minrith Meyer has a, has a book that I got this out of. Let me just share it with you. And there are two good choices that they wrote about anger. The first is what they called assertive anger. It's different than aggressive anger. It's different than just blowing up at somebody and saying stuff that later you regret. Assertive anger is anger that expresses itself in ways that the person retains their self-worth and their dignity. And they also retain the self-worth and the dignity of the other people involved in the situation. It's stating one's view about the situation in a positive, respectful way that brings healing, not hurt, into that situation. And so that is the motive, is not to hurt them by what I say and how I react, but that I want to bring healing. And so it's being angry, but not sinning. And the other good choice for anger is to drop it, to let it go. When we recognize our inability to fix this situation, and so we turn it over to God and we drop that situation and we give it to Him, which means tolerating some differences and choosing to forgive and dropping it. It might mean for a wife who, who, is, who is constantly upset with her husband who is the perfectionist. She realizes, you know what? God wired him up. He's a perfectionist. That's kind of the way he is. And so I'm going to draw healthy boundaries in my life so I don't have to respond to every little nitpicky kind of issue. But then I'm also, at the end of the day, just going to, I'm going to be respectful and I'm just going to drop that and to give it to God. Or maybe it's the adult son who is abused by his father in life and doesn't feel like his father loves him and the way he was treated growing up. And so instead of being bitter and angry the rest of his life, he decides to drop that because his dad's never going to change. Decides to drop that and to give that over to God and to allow God to work out that situation. He's going to drop it, give forgiveness, and move on and make a decision that my children I'm going to treat differently. So is our anger self-controlled? Are we dealing with it in healthy ways? In our anger, do not sin, Scripture says. We all have times when we're angry. We'll have times when we explode. We all have times when we stuff it, maybe, or we, we're that passive-aggressive. And God has a plan for us that will never be realized if we stay in the nursery of our anger, unless we learn to deal with it in healthy ways so we can realize God's ultimate plan and God's ultimate best for us. We need to understand our anger. We need to set limits on our anger. And we need to deal with our anger and we need to ask God to help us with our anger. God never told us to do anything that he did not also offer help to make it happen. So God can help you today. Will you allow him? And as James says, allow him to bring into your life that righteous life that he desires for you. Let's stand this morning. Heavenly Father, as we stand and we take an opportunity to respond to what you have taught us. God, I know that you do want to move us out of the nursery in the way that we react with anger, and you want to help move us to a place of your blessing. And Father, in the name of Christ, I know that as we sing this song, that there, and open up an opportunity for individuals to pray, I know that for some of us, we need to just ask for your forgiveness. We need to ask you, God, for a fresh start. And God, I thank you that you're a God that is in the business of doing that all the time. And so this morning, 
we, maybe we might need to do that. Maybe we might need to come to an altar. Maybe we need to confess something. We need to pray about, about it. We need to give it to you. Father, as we respond to this through singing, through worship, we pray that you would help us now to seek that, that life that you want for us, that abundant life. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. If you have a need this morning, these altars are open. You can come if you'd like to pray as we respond. Pastor brought us a message this morning. leave here today, my prayer for you this week as those times as they come in all of our lives when the, the we get stopped by the train, when someone pulls out in front of us, when whatever happens in your life when anger would begin to rear its ugly head and that spark would happen in your life my prayer is that God would give you peace that God would help you to change that anger and let him help you to deal with it in such a way that it can become a righteous thing and can be helpful, not hurtful, something that that builds and doesn't destroy. So may God bless you as you leave. Be encouraged and may he help you to deal with your anger in positive ways this morning and and, in this week. As you leave, if you're here with us for the very first time, we're just delighted to have you as our guest today. As you walk out of here, Get to grab you a donut on the way there on the right. And if you go on down the, this hallway down here, to the right there's a room. We'd love to be introduced to you. We'd love to get to know you. There's a gift that we'd love to give you. Thank you for being here. Interact with some people. Tell somebody that you're glad that they're here today as you leave. Let's go out worshiping. God bless you for being here this morning.